Yes. 2-5 is here. And I wish that we could be recapping week four. You know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Utah, UCLA, Alabama, Ole Miss, so on so forth. Florida and Clemson, Florida State and Clemson, you know, so on so forth. Next week is gonna be epic, but we must discuss the week at hand. So where else to start but in Boulder, Colorado? Even though that was the late game, you know, I got a lot of texts from people saying, like, how do y'all stay up and watch this? Like, I'm trying to watch it and I'm not built for this. But, you know, that's why 2-5 is here, you know. But let's get to it. So, first of all, a couple things. Shout out to the Rams. You know, they showed up last night where everybody, including myself, had them losing some form of 41-7 to or worse. You know, we thought that Colorado was going to run them out the building and just embarrass them on national TV like Colorado will hang 70 on them. You know, and as we came through and looked at it, we were reminded, you just don't know what's going to happen in these rivalry games. You know, throw the records out, throw the previous results out. When these two teams get together, whoever they may be, this is what we get. And we got an instant classic. So, first of all, get well, Travis Hunter. You know, he had to go to the hospital last night, knocked out on a cheap shot where I still don't know how the player wasn't ejected. But I'm kind of in the middle on that, right? Because it was disgusting. There's no place in the game for that type of cheap shot. But a lot of people that are complaining about that cheap shot was perfectly fine with Major Wright and what he did to Oklahoma. You know, especially now that the Gators documentary is on Netflix, people have been talking about that. You know, like sometimes you send a message. Now, that wasn't the right message to send because the ball was already on the ground. The play was over for all intents and purposes. But this is the conundrum. When you have Coach Prime out here trolling everybody, and he's saying that it's personal. And you got 18 to 22-year-olds on the other sideline. Apparently, you got a 31-year-old with three kids, too, the kicker. But when you say these things, it's personal. We were just going to play a game, but it's personal. Oh, it was just going to be a great battle for the state of Colorado, but now it's personal. Well, now it's personal. You know, like Colorado State took that personally. And they came out and said, oh, you want to make it personal? You want to say that it's personal? No, we'll tell you when it's personal. And that's what they did. It was wrong. But that's kind of what you invite when you say the things that you say. The tongue is dangerous. You know, but Coach Jay Norvell, you needed to bench that guy. Besides the fact that he wasn't ejected, you needed to bench that guy. You know, at the very least, let us see you grab it on his face mask, old school, chewing him in his face, cussing him out, right? And I know this is a different time and we don't do those things anymore, but I think you would have been perfectly fine. But then the way he handled the, it was weird too. They interviewed him during the middle of the game and, you know, they were talking. He had an opportunity in 2 Five's eyes. He had an opportunity to say something along the lines of, hey, I don't condone what he did. 
I've talked to him. He's not playing the rest of the night. But me and Coach Prime probably took this to a point where it didn't need to go, to a boiling point where these things could happen. So we have to be careful and cognizant of what we're saying as the leaders and role models of this team, of these teams. You know, and there you kind of shift it off of you while still owning up that it was wrong. And you could say, hey, man, like, this is what Dion did, you know. And, and then, you know, you got LeBron James tweet about it, which I got a question. And this ain't even about LeBron James per se. But a lot of you that are upset about the Colorado State hit, which you should be, would you have been upset if it was the other way around? Because what I'm getting, you know, this morning and since the season has started is that it's okay to support Colorado no matter what happens. But if you speak out against Colorado, you're a hater, you're a negative Nancy. Because I saw Shadur trying to poke people in the eye. I saw Shadur, who is the quarterback, by the way, trying to fight pregame. Now, I know these things happen. Teams get together pregame and things get heated at the 50-yard line, all that kind of stuff. But you don't normally see the quarterback there. But the quarterback just happens to be Dion's son as well. So we're not going to criticize him, right? That's what I took away from all of this. Because it takes two five to be objective. Because some of you are either on the other side of Coach Prime and just want him to fail. Some of you are like just wanting him to succeed no matter what. I like Colorado way before Coach Prime got there. So I want to see Colorado do well. But I'm going to call the bullshit when I – oh, I'm sorry, the bull junk. I'm going to call up the bull junk when I see it. And that's what I'm doing right now. You know, prepare for get it off my chest tomorrow. But, um, you know, but back to the game. Colorado's defense. Woo-wee. And they go to Autzen next week. Bo Nix is probably licking his chops as if he's at Roof Chris waiting on that steak to come out. Um, Coach Prime is going to have to hit the transfer portal hard again after the season because the skill positions are set. Now you got to get some offensive line, some defensive line help because hopefully, knock on wood, not wishing anything, but hopefully Shador makes it through the season. You know, he took some shots last night. He was getting hit. He was getting sacked. And, you know, so far this season, he's looking a lot like Andrew Luck out there, you know, just getting hit all over the place. But, you know, uh, everybody's going to focus on it. You know, like I said, get well, Travis Hunter. Coach Prime said that he may miss a few weeks, unfortunately, due to the CSU shenanigans. But Shador ended up 38 of 47, 348, four touchdowns and a pick. And he may have had the second Heisman moment this season because I know I go back to week one, even though it was against a way inferior opponent that Caleb Williams played where he fumbled or he bobbled the snap, picked it up, ran around through the touchdown pass. But Shadur, this may have been an even more impressive Heisman moment because his team was down eight. And they were at the two-yard line, 98 yards to go down the field. He willed that team down the field. And, of course, the two touchdowns that came in overtime. But this game was magical. This is what rivalries – This games like last night are why I love college football. You know, Shiloh with the fumble return – or the pick six return and the high step in and the celebration, the penalties. And then CSU scores a touchdown. The one guy – you know, he, Horton, he looks at his watch. 
you know, like Shadur is so on and so forth. There was some high stepping on a CSU return. So this is what college football is all about, people. Now, it wasn't week four, but this game made up for week three. And let me tell you, you know, uh, Horton announced himself to the world, you know, uh, Torrey Horton. He announced himself to the world, 16 catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Now, of course, Travis Hunter wasn't there, but don't be surprised to see him on Sundays at some point. You know, the redshirt freshman, Nicolosi, the quarterback, he threw three picks last night, you know what I mean? But he was carving Colorado up 34-47, shallow routes. Colorado wouldn't switch their defense. CSU wouldn't come out of the zone. So that made Shador's life a little easier when he had time to breathe. But, you know, Colorado 43, Colorado State 35. Now, I told you to beware of Tennessee, right? I didn't have the guts to make the pick. <laughs> I picked it in my pickup league, but I didn't have the, 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 the guts to pick it publicly. But uh, Florida ran the ball down their throats. You know, ETN with 172 yards, which was a career high. Florida in the first half, seven for eight on third down, and they had 22 minutes of possession. Now, Tennessee came in this game top 20 nationally and rush defense. But there's one pro or two problems with that. Virginia and Austin P. This is why it matters who you play. This is why you hear me say these things like, well, hey, Georgia, you know, they're going up against South Carolina, 27 and a half point spread. But Carson Beck hasn't seen this SEC speed yet. Georgia hasn't played against this speed yet this season. And that's why in two weeks from now, even though I fully expect Georgia to go into Jordan Heron win, that's why you'll hear me say this is Carson Beck's first road game. You know, like these things matter. Drew Aller, at, you know, at Illinois didn't look so great yesterday. It's just that Illinois is bad. Luke Altmeyer got hurt, but that game was closer than the score said. You know, but Tennessee, was the moment too big for Joe Milton? I say yes. You know, you look at the numbers, it doesn't look that bad. But he showed you again what I said to Mr. Logical the other day. He is not Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker takes what the defense gives him. You know, he keeps plays alive with his feet. Joe Milton just, not that he makes the wrong decisions, he just doesn't process it as quickly as Hooker does. And that matters in this offense that Josh Heupel wants to run. Now, where do we go from here? Tennessee, don't laugh. They still have to go to Tuscaloosa. They still got ATM coming in. And ATM, I must say, Texas A&M, that is, you know, their secondary doesn't look very much improved over last year. Even against ULM Monroe, you know, they won, of course. They dominated, of course. But saw some spots in the secondary where, you know, I wasn't so impressed. So Tennessee still has to play them. You know, they play South Carolina, you know, who obviously took them to the woodshed last year. But also made Georgia look human today. Imagine if South Carolina had an offensive line. You know, so Tennessee, you're no by no means are you out the woods, you know. So hopefully this gets better as the season goes on for you. As for Florida, you know, Kentucky doesn't look so unbeatable. You know, Vandy out here losing the UNLV. You know, South Carolina can't protect Rattler. 
Missouri looks pretty good. You know, so Florida, you know, is it on the table for them to finish second in the East? I think it could be. I'm probably not going to pick it right now, but, you know, I could see that. You know, Graham Mertz taking care of the ball, you know, looking like he's still playing in the Big Ten West game manager style. But, hey, if it works, it works wide, go away from it. And then, of course, Tennessee, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that they seem to be more passionate about the fight than they did the actual game. You know, uh, the pettiness, rivalries, I love it. You know, Florida calls the timeout to get in victory formation. Tennessee calls the timeout to make Florida run another play. Now Tennessee, of course, with the dirty hit on the quarterback, you know, and then that led to the fist flying. So suspensions are a coming, but we'll see what happens, you know, going forward. You know, Tennessee gets UTSA next. We'll see if Frank Harris plays. You know, I wouldn't be shocked to see UTSA give them a bit of a game if Frank Harris does play. That's just me. You know, and I'm just, I don't know. Like, there's a fine line. You know, I enjoy the rivalry, you know, and for CSU and Tennessee, what we saw as far as these fights and everything, those aren't the norm for those teams. And I think that's why I'm a little less the way everybody else is about it besides being 2-5. But I just think that, in rivalries, these things happen. Like if Miami and Florida State play, you expect a lot of pushing and shoving. You expect a lot of chirping. But if you're doing that against UVA or, you know, Pitt, then you might just got a problem, you know. But these rivalry games, they do things to people, you know. And speaking of my Seminoles, I got to go there. I'm not going to duck the smoke. They looked like dog shit up in Chestnut Hill yesterday. The solace that I'll take away from it before I get into it is that teams that make the playoffs, teams that go win the national title, they have games like this every year. Remember that unbeatable Alabama team with Devontae Smith, John Mechie, you know, Bryce Young, or um, I'm sorry, I think that was Matt Jones, sorry, Matt Jones, so on and so forth. You know, that unbeatable team that went on to win the national title. Don't forget they need a double overtime to win in Jordan Hare against a bad Auburn team. You know, Georgia last year had the struggle in Columbia where they didn't even take the lead, Columbia, Missouri, that is. They didn't even take the lead until five minutes or so left in the game, and they held on for a four-point win. So that is not to say that Florida State should not be concerned about what we saw yesterday, but that just says that it happens, and they're going to Death Valley next week. Clemson looks a lot better, albeit against weak competition. You know, um, and I told you before the season started, I picked Clemson to beat Florida State in this matchup coming up next week. Uh, we'll see what I pick later in the week now that we got the data and the games in front of us. But coming into the season, I thought that would be the one game that Florida State would lose en route to going to the playoffs. What I saw yesterday, I don't know if Clemson has. Clemson's receivers don't have the separation skill that Boston College's receivers had yesterday. Their quarterback isn't Thomas Castellanos, you know, who ran for 95 yards against Florida State yesterday, you know, who threw, you know, for 300 yards against Florida State yesterday. Florida State was up 31 to 10, and then I never saw some of the things that I saw 
from a highly ranked team, like, for example, BC lining up. So they get the fumble. You know, Florida State receiver fumbles it. BC picks it up, runs it into the end zone, misses the extra point, 31-16. to They line up for the onside kick, or we thought. They squib it, and it's a fumble on a squib. On a squib. BC gets the ball back. So before you know it, we got a two-point game because BC just – now Jordan Travis got hurt towards the end of the first half. You know, left arm, you know, he looked like he had trouble lifting it. So in the second half, he was a little timid when it came to running it. It didn't affect his throwing. but And I don't want to hear any excuses about Florida State had the flu because flu or not, they're too deep. It's still better than Boston College's. That just lost to Northern Illinois two weeks ago. And that just beat Holy Cross by three. So no excuses. You know, Florida State played awful. That I told you, and I told Mr. Logical, BC comes out for this bandana game. And I know that Florida State has played in the bandana game a time or two. So you would think that you would be a little more prepared of, guys, BC is going to give us everything that they got. Now, obviously, there's a difference between talk and execution, right? Um, Could Florida State have been looking ahead to Clemson? Maybe, maybe, but so what? If you're a playoff team, if you're an ACC champion, conference champion, if you're a national title contender, if you're the national champion, you just got to get in, get out. Whether it's by two points, whether it's by 30, it all counts the same. So win, baby, win. BC had a chance to get the ball back about a minute and a half left. Florida State 32, BC gets the stop, we thought. But then they committed a face mask, which was one of their school record 18, I said 18, penalties. That Now Boston College still has not beat a top five team at home. But don't tell that to Notre Dame fans because we remember 1992. You know, cost Notre Dame the national title. Glenn Foley went into South Bend and knocked off the Irish, you know, shortly after the Irish had knocked off Florida State. And that was Florida State's first national title that even as a Florida State fan, I don't feel good about since Notre Dame beat them head to head. But yeah, another story for another day. You know, um, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, 17 to 3 over the South Florida Bulls. Whew. So, couple questions. Jalen Milrow did not start yesterday, did not play yesterday. And I was wondering, the conspiracist in me, I was wondering if Nick Saban is trying to save Milrow for Ole Miss. Because, I mean, I got to figure that they've seen Buckner, Tyler Buckner, and Ty Simpson in practice enough to know if they can provide the things that Milrow provides. Milrow is an elite athlete, and he probably has one of the better arms out of the group. You know, Buckner, like I said, he knows Tommy Reese's system, but he hasn't played. And when he has played, he hasn't necessarily been impressive. And I was already questioning Tommy Reese to Alabama to begin with. You know, you're Alabama. You can have any offensive coordinator you want, any defensive coordinator you want, and you chose Tommy Reese, who Notre Dame fans were trying to get rid of. They Notre Dame fans were relieved when Tommy Reese left for the most part, at least according to Under the Dome, you know, Irish Illustrated and all that. You know, but um, 
when I look at this, Ty Simpson looked pretty decent. He could be the future. Now the question is, at Alabama, you only play for national titles. You play for SEC titles. You play for national titles. That's it. By putting Ty Simpson in, are you kind of punting on the season and saying, all right, we're going to go after it next year. Let's get him some reps. You don't do that at Alabama. So they went with Buckner to start. Combined, these guys, both of them, Buckner and Simpson, went 10 for 23 for 97 yards against a bottom of the bottom of the tier American Athletic Conference team. Not a good sign with Ole Miss on board next week. You know, so Ole Miss just put up 48 on Georgia Tech. Alabama's not going to hold Ole Miss to three. And you know Lane Kiffin is looking forward to this game. And oh, by the way, do you know who Ole Miss's defensive coordinator is? You know, that'd be one Alex Golden, you know, who was the defensive coordinator for Alabama last year that everybody wanted to run out of town. Or Pete Golden, I'm sorry, messed up the name there. Pete Golden is uh, the defense coordinator at Ole Miss. So might have a good game next week. You know, beware. Crimson Tide still got Tennessee on the schedule, still got LSU coming in. Good news is that both of those are at home. You know, so. You know, we'll see. Is Alabama in trouble? I don't want to overreact. You know, this is their first time not in the top 10 since 2015 when they lost to Ole Miss. So, you know, uh, just a lot of things going on here. You know, um, it makes me wonder if this will be the season that causes Nick Saban to think about stepping down and retiring prematurely. I know he just signed that contract that takes him through the end of the decade, but just something I was thinking about, you know, in that Sean McVay vein of he don't know how to lose. He don't know how to struggle. How much of that is he going to actually deal with and put up with? You saw how quick he got out of Miami, right? You know, just food for thought. You know, Michael Penix, 473 yards, four touchdowns and three quarters against Sparty in East Lansing. Washington with three, not one. Not two, but three NFL-level receivers went in there and put it all over Sparty. You know, I was wondering how Sparty was going to come out. I thought they would be a little galvanized with the whole Mel Tucker situation going on, Mark D'Antonio being back in the fold. So I thought they would give Washington a game for a half. You know, maybe we're looking at halftime. Maybe it's 24 to 14 and everybody's like, oh, Washington's overrated, you know, because, of course, in college football, if you play down to your competition, if you have a bad game, you're overrated, you're overinflated. And that works for everybody except for the SEC, I guess. Shout out to Mizzou, 61-yard field goal for the win over number 15, Kansas State. You know, uh, Kansas State, my preseason pick to repeat as Big 12 champions. This game doesn't really impact that. But, you know, Brady Cook came through, you know, um, you know, Missouri was just better than I had thought coming in. And I think that this was one of those games where Missouri just happened to be the home team. So if this game was played in Manhattan, Kansas State probably wins. It was in Missouri. So Missouri won. That's just my takeaway from it. I think they were evenly matched teams, and Missouri just came out with the win. So congratulations to Missouri. Mississippi State, 
my big concern was they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball against LSU and get smashed. Well, they did throw it more than I thought. Will Rogers win 11 for 28, 103 yards. Yes, 11 for 28, 103 yards. Malik Neighbors with 273 receiving yards. Jaden Daniels 30 for 34 with three or uh yeah 361. So maybe he's back into the Heisman conversation. I guess the way that we overreact to everything in college football, we forget that these are kids. So you know we overreact to every little thing. Jaden Daniels is still not a great quarterback to me. He just played against an overmatched team. They got Arkansas next week. That was supposed to be a big deal because, you know, they play for the boot. Arkansas get, throws everything at LSU. And then they went out here and lost to BYU, a.k.a. Brigham Young, at home in Vietnam. I can't believe it. You know, Keenan Slovis didn't even play that well. Arkansas just crapped the bed at times, I guess, if you want to say that. You know, um, it is what it is. You know, Houston got smoked 36 to 13 by TCU in their first Big 12 game. Cincinnati following up the win against Pitt loses in overtime to rival Miami of Ohio. If that's your rival, you need better rivals. Get them off your schedule. Uh, Ohio, one of my picks. You know, I gave you Ohio over Iowa State. You know, uh, Matt Campbell trying to fight the fans. Fan told him he was in the hot seat, leaving out that he comes. What? What did you say? What did you say? As if it was something ridiculous. You know, keep that same energy on the field, coach. Coach with that passion, coach. But speaking of the Big 12, Neil Brown, West Virginia, trying to save his job one week at a time. They win the backyard brawl, just like I picked. You know, they win the backyard brawl. Uh, Pitt. They beat Pitt 17 to 6 in a game that looked like a backyard brawl. Pitt was supposed to be the one of the surprise teams in the ACC this year, where everybody was saying Florida State should watch out for Pitt. You know, this team should watch out for Pitt. No, Pitt has a Narduzzi problem. Narduzzi has decided forget how college football has evolved. I'm going to go about it my way. Very Brandon Staley ish. And it doesn't have the best results. But I guess I didn't think about it at the time that all this was going on last week. But keep your eye on Narduzzi for the Michigan State job. You know, he was the D.C. before he came to Pitt. So, you know, that could be a thing. But, I mean, not if he keeps on losing, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, South Alabama, my other upset pick. You know, this was preseason. I picked them to beat Oklahoma State. When you have two quarterbacks, you have none. When you have three, I don't know what the hell you call that. But, um, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, not to overreact. I don't want to do the thing. But could Mike Gundy be running up against the wall as far as his time in Stillwater goes? You know, or does he get to stay for a little bit because OU and Texas are leaving and Oklahoma State should be one of the faces, the new faces of the Big 12? So we'll have to see. But, you know, um, I don't think this is it for Oklahoma State. You know, I think they got some more losses on that schedule. So, you know, we'll just have to see how that goes. You know, Oklahoma putting up 66 on Tulsa. Texas struggling with Wyoming. You know, was it were they hung over from the Alabama game? Are they overrated now? You know, so uh, we'll see. You know, they go to Baylor next week. Desperate Baylor team. 
you know, desperate head coach Dave Aranda, desperate good head coach, defensive coach. Let's see what they have cooked up for the Longhorns. You know, I'm not going to like insult your intelligence and tell you that Baylor's going to win that game, but let's see how Texas rebounds from this stinker. They won 31 to 10, but it was tied at 10 at the half, you know, and it took a while for that game to break open. The Iowa Hawkeyes, 41 points. Congratulations. You are now ahead of the pace to keep Brian Ferentz's job. Now, I don't know if that's congratulations to the fans. Maybe it's a congratulations to Brian Ferentz. But don't get too happy because you got to go to Happy Valley next week. So we'll see what Iowa scores up there. You know what I mean? And I believe that's the whiteout game, if I remember correctly. So some quick notes and things before I get out of here. Back in the 90s, East Carolina was the team that nobody wanted to play. You know, they would upset Virginia Tech. They upset Miami. They'd piss off North Carolina and NC State. Now, it's James Madison, that team, you know, fresh off the win against Virginia last week. You know, and they just happened to wear purple and gold. You know, they beat Troy yesterday, the Sun Belt preseason favorite. I picked South Alabama to win the Sun Belt, but... You know, Troy was the favorite from the media and most uh, aficionados, if you will. Um, the Sun Belt is for real. Might be the best G5 conference out there. So I'm just throwing that out there. We'll see how it goes. The AAC still has Tulane. UTSA lost to Army. I was in person for that. Army took UTSA's manhood. You know, Army didn't even punt until the fourth quarter because fourth and seven, they don't care. They were going for it. And they were converting. So, you know, we'll see. Um, Stanford, Cal, everybody said, why are they going to the ACC? They're not a fit. Well, guess what? Stanford lost to Sacramento State yesterday. Cal was down 17-0 before pulling it out against Idaho. Maybe they'll fit the ACC just fine. Rutgers in Michigan this week coming up. The battle of undefeated. Rutgers 35-16 over Vatek. Maybe Rutgers is for real. You know, I know Virginia Tech has some injuries, but same thing I said earlier about Florida State. Even with the injuries, Virginia Tech should be more talented than Rutgers. Brent Pry may be out of there at the end of this year. You know, uh, BYU, like I said, they beat Arkansas, improves their record against the SEC to five and seven. You know, I mentioned Colorado State's 31-year-old kicker with the three kids. Wow, man, what's he doing on campus? You know, like, I want to know what his experience is like. You know, like, is it a good thing? Is he like, oh, I hate these kids? Like, what's his experience like? You know, I brought it up earlier. Shout out to UNLV, knocking off Vanderbilt, beat a SEC team. It's just Vanderbilt, but you got to start somewhere, right? Barry Odom, first year on the job, replacing Marcus Arroyo. So congrats, UNLV, two and one now. Um New Year's six, six. So I'm sure uh, Troy is eliminated now. I think Boise got eliminated last week. They both have two losses now. Troy lost to Kansas State before they lost to JMU. So those two are out of it now. But keep your eye because Tulane is probably still in the driver's seat. You know, they came into the season ranked. So they have a little bit of cachet with them already. They beat USC. And you know how college football works. We're going to put them there and keep them there until they give us a reason not to. But all I'm going to say about the New York's the New Year's Six is keep your eyes on Liberty 
and Air Force. Those are the two teams to keep your eye on. DJ Uyangalele, 14 for 30 yesterday, two picks against San Diego State. Looked like the DJ we saw in Death Valley and, and down in Clemson last year. Game that only 2-5 is interested in this weekend, going to the Palouse to play against Wazoo. That's a big game because, you know, I picked Oregon State to make it to the Pac-12 championship game based on their schedule. Wazoo has looked better than I thought coming into the season. So, you know, that's going to be an important game as far as, you know, which one of these games could be a surprise along with can UCLA beat Utah. This is the first time since September 17th. And, oh, hey, it happens to be September 17th, 2023. First time since September 17th, 2017, that the big three of Florida, the Gators, the Canes, and the Knowles, are all ranked in the same AP poll. How about that? Wow. Kansas, first time 3-0 and back-to-back since 1991 and 92. Back when 2-5 was 10-11 and 11 years old. Ain't that something? But, you know, Jayhawks, you know, can they be a surprise in the Big 12? You know, I don't think they're going to win it. I don't think they're going to go to the Big 12 championship game. But I picked Kansas to win eight games this year. So 3-0 gets us almost halfway there. So we'll see how that goes. And I mentioned this is Alabama's first time out of the top 10 since 2015. So, yo, leave me some thoughts. Let me know what you agree with. Let me know what you disagree with. Like, review, subscribe. 2-5 Sports Reports is ordered. Coming at you tomorrow, of course. I'm going to go back to watching some NFL. Peace.